Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello, it is Wednesday the 16th of September. Welcome to the COB. I'm Ingrid Williams. I'm here with uh, my co-host David Scott and we are going to talk about the session today which once again was a very positive one, Scotty. Oh well the Fed's tomorrow morning so we get a dovish offering so uh, buy stocks, sell US dollars, the uh, the age-old pattern continues, so it was a very positive session. Surprise, surprise, led by the tech sector. Yeah, and I guess this is key, isn't it? Because we're continuing to see this, well, I wouldn't say bubble forming, but we're continuing to see upside in these stocks, and that's flowing through to us here at home. A lot of our guests today are talking about whether or not this will last going forward. Uh, we spoke with a couple of private equity guests, actually, who were saying, mm, market's looking a little toppy around here. They're not alone in thinking that. A bit rich coming from a private equity person, <laughs> I've got to say. But um, yeah, look, uh, there's definite elements of speculative activity and bubbles forming in the uh, the tech sector. But uh, you know, you can stay uh, stay ra- markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. So um, there's a lot of a uh, lot of froth out there, a lot of excitement. Uh, when you see moves, particularly in the United States and the likes of Tesla, just seems to be up like another seven percent, I think, overnight. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff moves for a company that size just tells you that there's a lot of craziness out there. So tread with caution. But a lot of people are starting to talk this recovery theme. I feel like almost every guest we've had on has said they're interested in stocks that will benefit from the recovery. It, it feels like the light of the, the light at the end of the tunnel is really there at the moment when it comes to the COVID crisis. Yeah, I'd say so, but uh, I think it's been, that's not really a new trend. There's been, a lot of people have been talking about the merits and we've been discussing it at length on the program, I know, mm. for at least over a couple of months and about how many phase three vaccine trials are underway around the world. So it's uh, obviously there's a lot of hope out about that. Uh, mm. And we've seen the uh, you know, elements where you see uh, cyclicals, you see values start coming back into vogue and then it switches back to, uh, to growth tech uh, leading the, uh, the rally. But uh, obviously, there's still a lot of uh, uncertainty out there, but yeah, it seems to be a prevailing uh, theme. Maybe it's some late to the uh, to the party uh, people who are now starting to get involved with a cyclical recovery. But uh, it certainly feels like it's been not just uh, the last week or so, but it's been a bit of an ongoing trend. You were speaking speaking with Angus Geddes from uh, Fat Profits a little earlier. A lot of talk about the correction being over. He's saying you know stocks are obviously looking attractive. A lot of focus on China at the moment, though, as well. Yeah, there's like lots of bullish uh, indicators out of there. No, no lease uh, uh, excavator sales, which are up uh, 50% year on year for the fifth consecutive month uh, in August, which is uh, no, a truly mind-boggling statistic given no, how many uh, no, excavators are sold in that country every year. But uh, I really quite enjoyed talking with Angus. Uh, we also had a bit of a chat about uh, in the fast food sector here, so Domino's and uh, Collins Food Group, no more famous for the other uh, KFC outlets. We had a bit of a powwow about how my mates are uh, you know, helping to go and boost the share price of Collins Food with their uh, amount of KFC they consume each week. <laughs> um, this gas story, and, and particularly with the federal government's announcement about funding a construction of a gas-fired power station, um, is having a big impact, I guess, uh, on the market. 
Looking at the energy space more broadly, Scuddy, what have you been hearing from guests just on this space more broadly here in Australia? Uh, that uh, they don't like it. <laughs> in, in <laughs> to put it straight. I'm, 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 I'll, ask you, I'll ask you the same question, but uh, yeah, that uh, when it comes to sector preference, uh, there is very few people out there who are optimistic about uh, the longer term future for the energy space, uh, at least in the current fossil fuel stage. Uh, you saw BP was out with some pretty uh, bearish scenarios for crude consumption uh, moving forward as well. That caught a lot of attention, maybe went and contributed to a bit of the selling that we saw in crude earlier this week. But what do you think? You know, is, as, a, as a sector, uh, there seems to be a big push to go and go to renewables. Uh, Technology is improving all the time. Where do you stand? I'll tell you what we've had a lot of guests talk about today, and that is the clean, green energy and moving closer to that, even in infrastructure as well. We've had, I I think we had about three guests on today saying that that was where they were heading in terms of sustainable infrastructure going forward. And more and more investors were demanding that. I find that quite an interesting theme because, you know, 10 years ago, ESG and, and, you know, investing sustainably just wasn't a thing. In fact, people tended to see those sort of funds as perhaps not offering the same returns as you might get elsewhere now it's become all the rage so i think that's quite an interesting trend happening the evolution of thing so you said that 10 years ago esg wasn't a thing and i think in 10 years time it won't be a thing either i think it'll just be the accepted norm that uh, the companies have to go and perform to a certain uh, set of uh, standards set by the investment community Lots of other things uh, we're watching at the moment, particularly, um, as you said, with the tech space. I think there's been a couple of other things um, to watch here at home. As you say, the buy now, pay later space still in focus. Do you think the tech space has been following the US here? And do you expect that to continue? We've obviously got a lot going on in the United States at the moment. We've got a Fed meeting, obviously, tonight. But we've also got the election coming up. I guess the question here is how closely do you think our market, the ASX, will actually follow suit to what the US does. Yeah, interesting. Now, when it comes to the tech space, yes, I unbelievably earn a close correlation between the Australian tech sector and the US tech sector. The one massive difference though, and I've got to say this, is that we do have uh, no companies out here who actually earn uh, revenue and actually have earnings, uh, but the few and far between, a lot of the companies that we're pinning our hopes on are very, very new, green behind the ears and mm. a lot of speculation behind them. Whereas some of the companies in the United States who are leading the charge high, Facebook, uh, Alphabet, uh, Apple, all have very big earnings that are ploughed back into the companies uh, that are primarily that are reinvestment. So um, that's the big key difference. So that's what makes me a little bit concerned longer term about uh, the tech sector here. I just want to see some more earnings starting to come through rather than just uh, no hopes and uh, blue sky ahead. Well, to an extent, tech, seek, obviously in focus today, um, with talk, it's confirmed that it's in talks with a number of parties for its subsidiary, Jalpin. Um, Alibaba's being thrown around. Whenever Alibaba gets thrown into the mix, it sends a rocket under the stock. They haven't confirmed they've been in talks with Alibaba, but certainly it's looking at least that way. Where there's smoke, there's fire. This would be positive for the stock. It could be positive for the whole sector. It could be. Uh, there's, there's a few mixed, uh, mixed signals there from the company as to what the actual implications are. But... Uh, um, you've been around uh, long enough, Ingrid, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, so mm. markets are sniffing out something's, uh, something's uh, going up there. So we'll keep an eye on what's ha- what happens ahead. But no, anyone who can successfully go and get a foothold into that market and then expand rapidly, well, uh, the world is your oyster. You'll uh, have big revenues ahead. Let's talk the stock of the day now, because uh, obviously on the call, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities, Andrew Wylant from DP Wealth Advisory, talking Tabcorp. Let's see what they had to say. I think it's all just a bit underwhelming, frankly. Um, Certainly not one that we're actively buying for our clients. I mean, as an example, why wouldn't I buy um, Aristocrat 
you just sort of look at some quick numbers, Aristocrats got a 27% return on equity and it's growing its profits by about six, sorry, it's got a 16% profit margin. It's growing its revenue by 11%. You compare that to Tabcorp with 4% return on equity, revenue going backwards, um, paying at 75% of its dividends. So if that ever comes under pressure, you're almost looking at a Telstra-like situation. So yeah, right. thanks, but no thanks. It's just not very exciting in terms of um, where this business is heading. So online um, online wagering is very competitive nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of the last sort of few months or so, they've done well with the lotteries division, but you know they're really hurting in the wagering side of things and they're raising money mainly to pay down debt. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's not a very exciting yeah. um, sort of reason to raise money either. And it's just been a massive underperformer over the last five years in terms of the share price. Jumbo recently, um, renewed their contract with Tapcorp. Right. I think they extended it for another 10 years. I think this yep. was announced yeah. a few weeks ago. And and obviously they're involved in, in the online um, lotteries and that's the sector that's doing well. So yeah. you could pretty much buy shares in, in Jumbo if you're interested in, in that sector that's doing well as opposed to buying Tapcorp right. and getting the, okay. the wagering side of things, which yeah. is really struggling. Yeah. It's Andrew Wyland and uh, Michael Gable there speaking. Tabcorp, the stock of the day. But Scuddy, we've got to get your view today because I know you're talking Apple. You got some gripes here? Oh, uh, look, it's not really directed just solely to Apple, but uh, Apple did a product launch last night, so I thought, you know, why not? Biggest company in the world, uh, a master of innovation. It's uh, changed the world undoubtedly. But I've got to say, the past, uh, past few years, I've just been completely underwhelmed by the other uh, product offering that they come up with. It's a lot of rehashed ideas. Things to me that aren't really innovative. It's uh, now being driven by marketing uh, more than anything else. So I was just really surprised that there's still so many people who get excited about a new phone. Uh, I myself, an Android user, that's got absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> you um, might be I know, it actually it actually stemmed from. So I've got a, a recently upgraded to an Android phone from a, a previous version, and I've got to say that uh, I cannot pick up anything, any real major differences. The phones are three years old. Mm. That's how good technology is now. Any little tweak when you see you know, the speed of the processor, although a slightly better camera, there's only so many things the eye can go and pick up, which is yeah. natural. So I just find it a bit funny how it's, uh, there's still a lot of hype about it. No, it's a big company, obviously gets a bit of excitement, but uh, for me, it's a bit meh. I want to go and see something exciting like a hologram. If I see that, then I'll be like, yeah, I'm back in. All right, all right. Well, let's see what they bring next year. Um, I want to talk a bit about the Fed tonight before we go, because it is a big one. 4 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, we'll get uh, the discussion from the Fed, what's happened. Um, this is key, I guess. I, I know that obviously we're going to get a dovish tone from the Fed. Is this a matter, do you think, of just where they are on the spectrum, just how dovish the Fed is? Because the, the market's expecting a pretty dovish view. I suspect there'll be almost zero reaction to the uh, the statement. There'll be plenty of changes, but I think uh, it's been pretty well telegraphed from uh, Jerome Powell and others about average inflation targeting. We know they're going to go to that. So it all lies on the economic projections that mm. come out. That will go and set the tone. You expect, you know, if they truly uh, know about uh, know, trying to go and get the economy to run hot, inflation to go and pick up and maybe overshoot, uh, they've got to go and keep policy rates unchanged for the foreseeable future. I expect that's what they're going to have to go and show. Otherwise, you'll be raising question marks. Well, why are you talking about suddenly to like raise rates in two, three, four years' time? No, you've got to leave it on hold and, uh, and just let it rip. Um, and then it comes down to Jerome uh, Powell's uh, performance in the press conference. And uh, one uh, misstep when it comes to his wording. And uh, you can all go and uh, unravel pretty quickly. But he's become pretty seasoned now. Mm. He's had a few trip-ups in the past. But uh, look, polished performer. I wouldn't expect anything different. 
But the key thing, and this is much like the Apple phone, <laughs> what I was talking about just before my rant, um, what, what, is, what really surprising are we going to have when it comes to Fed? They're going to be on hold for right. absolutely years uh, and with the risk of doing more. That's, that's what we're dealing with for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Yep. Still, we'll see markets move off it and, and, and we will follow suit tomorrow, no doubt, with our local market. We will. I'll be really excited. Uh, but uh, we better go and wrap it up, Inge. We've uh, been uh, going uh, almost overtime now, but uh, looking forward to doing it all again on Thursday. You've, uh, you're off and about, so uh, go and enjoy your, uh, the rest of your, uh, your break. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go and take up the slack from here. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Everyone out there, we'll see you bright and early on Thursday morning. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.